Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. And I hope the sound is okay. There's a chat room, and if you are having any trouble hearing us, let us know either by email or through the chat room. And we're hopefully going to have a special guest later on in the show. But we're going to be talking about usury and as those who might have heard us on Blog Talk just shortly before, usury reaches out into a lot more areas of our life than we normally would think. Commonly people think that usury has to do with charging interest. It used to be considered any interest was usury uh, in the sense of the biblical context, but now people start saying, no, only exorbitant interest is usury. And the reality is usury is a far, far more reaching into our lives than we imagine when we read all the different quotes in the Bible concerning usury. Now, usury does often have to do with money, and if we go back in the history of money, we see about 500 B.C., that the there was an introduction, or excuse me, 5,000 B.C., according to some, there was an introduction of money uh, as a uh, form of exchange as metal or metal coins. And whether that's accurate or not, the point is is that people have been exchanging coins or forms of metal, such as rings, etc., as a medium of exchange for centuries upon centuries. And one of the reasons why that they were using these medium of exchanges is that metal had value. Had value because it was something that required labor to obtain. And that is really the first commodity. That is the first asset. That is the first uh, bit of substance that man has is his own time and labor, the sweat of his brow. And the Money is simply a way in which to represent that exchange of the value of a man's sweat and time and energy. And over the centuries, people have tried to convince people that this is money and that is money. And if you convince somebody that something has value, they can start using that as money. But they have to believe that it has value, which is really interesting because... If you go on the Federal Reserve website, they will tell you Federal Reserve notes have no value. That's right. They have no value. And yet they're used as money. So right away, we're, we know that we're dealing in the realm of uh, imagination when we are dealing in these Federal Reserve notes and believing that they have value. And I will give you 500 Federal Reserve notes if you give me that bicycle. And people say, okay because they think the Federal Reserve notes have value, yet the Federal Reserve states that the notes have no value. Yet we keep using them as if they do. But, of course, that is just the byproduct of the insanity that we have uh, become a part of over the last uh, century or more that is really hard to wake people up from. People don't want to wake up and see, what do you mean it has no value? <laughs> well, that's, they said it. I'm just quoting the Federal Reserve. 
It has no value. Money has no value. Federal Reserve notes as money have no value. But people use them as uh, value anyway. Now, for one thing, as I covered earlier, is that a Federal Reserve note or a U.S. note or any type of bank note is a note. It's a promise to pay. I told people the story of when I'd be in a store and I'd say, uh, they'd say, okay, it'll be $80, and I'd say, oh, will you take a note or do you want money? And they look at you just stunned, like, oh, my gosh, they're not going to pay for this? And I says, well, no, I can give you a note, uh, uh, or I can give you real money. And I'd hold up a, a silver coin or a gold coin and hold it up and says, well, this, this is money. Or, or or I'd hold up a $100 bill and I says, well, will you take this? And, oh, yeah, we take that. And I says, oh, I, I didn't know if you would take a note. I just, you know. I thought maybe you wanted real money when I'd show them the coin because the Federal Reserve note is a note. And you know how you know? Because it says on it, it's a note. <laughs> but it's not a very good note anymore, but it used to say redeemable and lawful money. That's how you know the Federal Reserve note is not lawful money because it says that it's redeemable and lawful money. It used to, anyway. It's legal tender, but a legal tender, a tender is an offer, so it's a legal offer. So anyway, this history of money, if you go back to 1690, uh, colonial notes in Massachusetts Bay issued the first paper money in the colonies, which could later uh, form the United States. Uh, but at that time, it was just the colonies, and they were actually Massachusetts Bay colony was starting to issue this paper money. But again, it was it was this concept of a note. In 1775, you had the continental currency, the American colonists issued paper currency uh, for the Continental Congress uh, to finance the Revolutionary War. The notes were backed by the anticipation of tax revenue if they won. So you can imagine how uh, those notes might not be worth <laughs> in the long run, but they people were taking them with some way of keeping track of the value that you invested in the war effort and hopefully get something back. Um, without solid backing and easily counterfeited, the notes quickly uh, became devalued, giving rise to the phrase, not worth a continental. When they say that, they're not talking the airlines, they're talking about continental currency, the continental note. In 1781, uh, the National uh, First Bank, also uh, to support this Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress chartered a Bank of North America in Philadelphia. That's since gone out of business. But uh, as uh, the nation's first real bank, that's when it began in 1781. 1785, uh, the Continental Congress determined that the official monetary system would be based on the dollar. Now, this is 1785. Uh, this is before the Constitution. But the first coin representing the start of this system uh, wouldn't even be minted for uh, another seven years or so. In 1792, uh, the monetary system uh, uh, had another slight change where the federal monetary system was established with the creation of the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia. The first American coins were struck in 1793. Though. In 1816, the Second Bank of the United States was chartered for 20 years until 1836. 
Now, there was a great controversy going on at this time where Jefferson was warning about the money powers and uh, and uh, uh, Jackson, you know, warned about how the banking system was this terrible threat to freedom in America. And that hasn't changed, but the problem is nobody wants to think about it. You know, they they... They think, well, there's nothing we can do about it. But the reality is there's all kinds of things you can do, but you have to actually do them. It's kind of like Christianity. You can tell me you've accepted Jesus Christ, but if you aren't actually doing what he said, you're a liar. You haven't accepted Christ. He knows you're a liar, and he's going to say, Get ye from me, workers of iniquity, because you weren't doers of the word. You just said you believed in me, but you didn't actually do anything that I told you to do. He gives you whole proverbs and parables about this, about the son who doesn't do what his father says, and the son that says at first he doesn't want to do, but then does. Which one is the son? So which one is really saved? Which one really believes in Jesus? Is it the one who's doing what Jesus says, or the one who's not doing what Jesus says? Well, the fact is, most Christians today do absolutely contrary to what he says, and this money issue is just the tip of the iceberg, but it's a big iceberg. It's a big problem. We have gone so far away from what Christ said, it's hard to even imagine what he was talking about. So anyway, we're talking about some of these things, to give you a little bit of history, and of course in 1861, in the bank of bankruptcy, and press uh, for finances, the Civil War Congress uh, authorized the United States Treasury to issue paper money for the first time in the form of non-interest bearing treasury notes called the man notes. Now it's 1861, but by 1862, as I already mentioned, uh, uh, the man notes were replaced by the United States notes commonly called greenbacks. They were last issued in 1791, excuse me, 1971. The Secretary of Treasury was empowered by Congress to have notes engraved and printed, which was done by private bank note companies. And that was back in uh, uh, 1862. In 1863, the designs changed. Uh, there were other changes. We had uh, silver certificates in 1878. Uh, they were not done away with by JFK, uh, but the power to issue them was handed over to the Treasury. The JFK did not actually try to undo the Federal Reserve uh, he was having this problem with the value of silver and silver certificates, but uh, he actually encouraged the Federal Reserve in several places. But he saw a serious money problem coming and wanted to do something about it, and so he signed really the more important executive orders, which have now been signed by every president since, which allowed them to nationalize every aspect of life in America from transportation to banks to what have you. But uh, huge changes have taken place, but the, the really clever thing about all these changes is that they try to keep you comfortable while they're making the changes so that you don't wake up. It's kind of like slipping the sheets out from underneath you while you're still asleep. Um, 
and but they've been able to do it. And of course, in 1957, they tried to really uh, placate all the so- so-called Christians by putting God we trust on the money. But I'm not sure what God they uh, are talking about because what the Federal Reserve System did when it came about in 1913, uh, <laughs> uh, after the manufactured panics in 1893 and 1907, uh, was they created the largest trust in the history of the world. And that trust is, is not bankrupt, but we are. And it owns everything. It owns everything not only from all the land, the, the beneficial interest in all the land, but it actually owns the beneficial interest in all the labor of every U.S. citizen and almost every citizen in the world, at least the vast majority of them. I mean, there are some countries that have pretty large populations uh, that are not participating in such systems. Uh, generally speaking, the whole world has gone back into the bondage of Egypt, but it's worse than it was even in Egypt. And what that amounts to is the use of your labor belongs to somebody else. They can take 10% of it, they can take 20% of it, they can take 30% of it, and it's not determined by you, it's determined by parliaments and congresses and rulers and what have you. They can just simply take away more and more of your labor. You should read the oath required for anybody having a passport because it says that they can put you to work in civilian work programs without any uh, due process on your part. It's all in their hands. They can just put you to work in slave labor camps, camps right now. It's on the books. It's absolutely legal. It's just a matter of time. And really, I'm not trying to preach the gospel of fear. I'm trying to preach the gospel of Christ, which Christ was trying to set you free. He wasn't trying to deliver you back into bondage. He wasn't creating a church that would deliver you back into bondage. He was creating a church that you could go to instead of the social welfare systems that would become a snare, where the use of you, the use of your children, which they warned about in Samuel, uh, the use of everything that you own belongs to somebody else, and you have to pay them to use your own house, to use your own car. You have to do that now. That's the law by contract. So notes are just the tip of this iceberg. Banking system is just the tip of this iceberg. And, and this is going to be the subject matter that we're going to be talking about on this show uh, for the next hour and a half or so. I guess we've got at least more than an hour and a half. Is this whole concept of how they get control and how you lose control because God wants you to be in control of your life. That's what freedom is all about. He doesn't want you to be a thing. He doesn't want you to be merchandise. He wants you to be free souls under Him. And the cleverness of how they brought you back into bondage is amazing. But you should have been well forewarned by any church established by Christ so that you would not fall into these traps because it's all in the Bible. That's what we write about in the books like the Covenant of the Gods, show you how the kingdom of God works and the kingdom comes, and show you some of the pitfalls and and, and dangers and higher liberty and in and, and, uh, books like Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. We were to make no covenants with them. We weren't...
rulers who could exercise authority. We were to learn how to rule ourselves as a free people, as a peculiar people. But we've lost the majesty of God's kingdom because it's not written in our hearts and our minds because we've let other people scribble in there and write falsehoods in our hearts and our minds. And we become uneducated. You know, one of our, we really need to do a show on the public schools and homeschooling because that has really been a trap. It's really dumbed down people. So, like I said, you can't hardly talk to them about these issues because they don't even understand that a note is a note. They don't understand that a note is a contract. They don't, they couldn't see what happened when suddenly it no longer said redeemable and lawful money. They couldn't see the fact that they were collateral for the debt that they were creating. They couldn't see that they were becoming members in a society that made the word of God to none effect because it was doing the exact same thing that the Pharisees were doing. And, yeah, they didn't have the technical knowledge to see this and perceive it, but we should have had the moral understanding to realize that if we force our neighbor to educate our children at the point of a gun, which is the product of modern public schools, that we had already left Christ. We'd already abandoned his way of faith, hope, and charity, of caring for one another in pure religion. So anyway, we're going to read some more of these, and just to give you an idea of how uh, horrendous this whole idea of modern Christianity, that all you have to do is believe. Now, it's true that it is by faith that we're saved, but if you don't finish that whole concept with the words of Christ, and the proper image of Christ and who he was and what he was saying that you will lead vast sections of the population into damnable heresy and they will become merchandise which is what they have become in Matthew 25:27, Jesus says thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He is saying this to a man who was given a talent, a piece of money, of substance, and did nothing with it. You are given talent, skills, knowledge, ability. If you do nothing with it, you are as bad as that man who had his talent taken away from him and was left with nothing and was given to somebody else. If you take your life and do nothing with it, you sit and watch TV and Fox News and, and complain about the world, but do nothing, you are like this man, this talent that buries his gift of God and does nothing with it. Esau, do I hate? What is he talking about? Esau sold his birthright for a pot of porridge. Have you sold your right to hold dominion on this earth for a pot of benefit? Then God hates you because we thought, who I hate. 
but he he wants to love us. He wants to find uh, you coming his way. He's calling you. And you have to become a doer of the word. You won't do it perfectly. You won't do it all the time. You won't do enough. You're still saved by faith. But if you aren't doing what he said, then how can you tell me that you believe in it? Because if you believe in something, you will want to do something about it. You won't just sit there on the sidelines. You will become a doer. So anyway, we're coming up here to the half-hour mark, and we'll have a, take a little break there, but then we're going to read some of these quotes in Exodus to show you what God thought in the Old Testament about usury, because Christ is using usury here. Everybody knew how bad usury was. And, like, I've given you a little picture that usury is a lot more than interest on money. The fact that you don't own the right to your labor and have to pay for the use of your labor. You have to pay to stay in your house. You stop paying your property tax, and then in three years you won't have that house anymore. In some places, even less than that. Because your property tax is a use tax, and that's usury. They take the whole house away from you and they keep all the money in most states. Because you're just renting. You just settle for a legal title. And the early Americans knew you could not do that to maintain a free society. But public school didn't teach you that. But there is a solution, and the solution is the kingdom of God. And you have to repent and turn around and start seeking in order to do that, you need to start understanding what you have done wrong. So that you can start doing what is right. If you're going to be walking a dangerous path, you want to know where the quicksand's at. And socialism is one of the biggest quicksands there is out there. And public school is, is socialism. So we're going to read from Exodus 22:25. If you lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as a usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. By that statement, you can charge usury to a rich man. So, you know, banks are rich, so it's okay to collect interest from banks? Except where the banks get the money? They get it from the poor people who deposit. <laughs> no, they they get it from uh, people who borrow money who don't have enough money to do things on their own. So, but we're going to explore this in a lot more detail because that even has a far-reaching effect. Uh, your whole view of society needs to change. The whole view of Christianity needs to flourish in the light of the truth. And that's what we're going to be exploring for the next hour.
I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, one holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope, 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar, or 5940 since creation, according to the Bible. Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It? and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about usury. Uh, we may have a guest uh, later on in the show uh, who's had a little bit of interaction with modern banks. Uh, we have too, but we wanted you to get as much understanding of what this whole thing about usury is. And like I said, it goes a lot farther than simply charging interest for a loan. Uh, everybody said usury was a sin and you couldn't do usury if you were listening to the Old Testament. 
The reality is it says that you, in Exodus 22:25, it's talking about lending money to any of my people that is poor by thee. And it was poorer than you are. Thou shalt not charge him usury. And this is this principle is very important because the idea is that we're to strengthen everybody, and usury can actually weaken people because it can make it very hard on them and make it very difficult. And it's about this concept of charity and generosity. It didn't necessarily mean that you should loan money to people. You know, like the lady who got the million dollars for the lottery, she went out and bought two houses and is still collecting food stamps. Why? And she excuses that because she says, I don't have a job. Why didn't she go out and buy a business? She went out and bought two homes. She should have bought a business so that she would have a job. She could have her own job. But she didn't want that because the wealth that she got is going to weaken her. It didn't strengthen her. And that's what so many people make the mistake in charity is they just go out and give and give and give. But that's the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, that in time of affluence, they did not strengthen the poor. And that's what we need to do. And strengthening them doesn't mean them giving them everything they think they need. Because what they really need is learn how not to be poor anymore. They need to learn to apply themselves. If they will not apply themselves, they should be poor. And you should not alleviate that. They should feel the sting of their sloth. And that's what most governments are constantly in the business is trying to remove the sting of your sloth with welfare and food stamps and unemployment and and they weaken you and weaken you and weaken you. And if you really had these principles, these basic principles down, your society would become stronger and stronger and stronger. Bad money drives good money out of circulation. And bad government drives good government out of circulation. And socialism is bad government. And it drives the essentials of a healthy government out of place. It's like if you sit around and do nothing all day and don't do any work whatsoever, your muscles will atrophy, your bones will become weak. In Leviticus 25:36, it says, Take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear thy God that thy brother may live with thee. Now, we have a local fellow here who's really short-tempered, and people have helped him out and helped him out. Some of them helped him too much. And now, all of a sudden, he's all upset, and he is just alienating everybody. He's not really a local, but he's lived local for a number of years, and he's about ready to drive himself completely out of the valley so he can't even look at anybody anymore. <laughs> and he's going to end up someplace all alone because it's all about him. In Leviticus 25:37, it goes on to say, Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase. In Deuteronomy 23:19, Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. Again, if you have legal title to property, you must pay a use tax to keep 
the use of that property because legal title does not include the beneficial interest, the right to use the property. You pay $400,000 for a property, you don't have the right to use it. You just have a legal title. Therefore, they can tax you on the use of that property. Income tax is a use tax. How come you have to pay use tax on your own labor? It's because you coveted your neighbor's goods, because you wanted social welfare, social security at the expense of your neighbor, and you signed up to the collective. You said, let's all have one purse so that I can be guaranteed security. That's socialism. Social security is socialism. Public school is socialism. It's going to just beget more socialism. It is the seed that you are planting in your society. Can you get rid of all those things? Not instantly. But you can turn around and start going the other way. It used to be that church was the entire social welfare system of the communities. Now it's just there to make you feel good. Christ didn't come to make you feel good. He wanted you to be good. But you don't have to be good anymore. You just have to believe, right? Can you see Satan in that concept? If you don't finish belief with doing, like James does, you don't tell the whole truth. And the definition of a lie is something that's not the whole truth. You leave out an important aspect of doing. Deuteronomy twenty three nineteen: Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything. That is, you're allowed to use upon usury. Your house, your labor, your car. You get to use them because you pay the use tax. You pay the one who actually owns the property. Use tax. Usury. You don't pay the usury, you lose it. You don't pay the usury on your house to the bank, you lose it. You don't pay the usury to the state, you lose it. Your whole system is based on that. Usury. Against people who are often poorer than you. No wonder the poor are gaining all these benefits. They should. You've been so treacherous with them. Deuteronomy 23.20 Unto strangers thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand to in the land whither thou goest to possess it. Strangers only. Certainly not the poor. And, of course, you can charge usury to the rich, but most of the rich don't want to borrow money from you. <laughs> they already got money. So that doesn't usually come up. But that's originally, if we go back to that original quote, we could see that that was, they were giving you a principle. This is, if you don't do this, you will end up in a government that is in the distribution of wealth business. 
because you would not share. You will be forced to share. And that's why governments are allowed to be created, because you're a sinner. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. You used him. Nehemiah 5.7 Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles, and the rulers said unto them, he exact usury every one of his brother and I set a great assembly against them if you send your kids to public school you're in that category because you're forcing your neighbor to either pay for your child's education or lose his home Nehemiah 5.10 I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Would it be great if you suddenly said, okay, no more property tax for everybody who pays off their property? Uh, but you, before you do that, you need to have volunteer fire departments, you need to have uh, local militias, you need to have... Uh, community watches, neighborhood watches, need to have all that in place. How do you put that in place? In, in the video, which I recommend to everybody, I recommend it on the earlier show, uh, indoctrination, they point out one part towards the end of the video how the school, by design, and by the design that they're trying to impose upon what the public schools are already, is supplanting the what the church used to be. You know, if you wanted higher education, you often went to church. I mean, where do you think uh, William Wallace went to learn all these languages that he knew? Even the battle tactics that he knew, and the history that he knew. He went to church. That's where you learned it. Basic education you should learn at home, in your communities, in your congregations. But if you want to hire, yeah, you may have to go to somebody who really knows a lot more of your very talented son or daughter. But that should be all done to the church through voluntary free will offerings, not forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Because you will be caught in that snare. And your neighbors will make you contribute a lot more until they take your sons and daughters and make their instruments of war and make your sons and daughters run before their chariots and put them in harm's way. How many people died in Vietnam? You know why they died? Not to prevent communism. I sat for hours and talked with the head of the Democratic Party in Wisconsin who said he was at the meeting with Eisenhower when Eisenhower decided to have a series of brush wars in Southeast Asia for the purposes of stimulating the coal and steel industry. And why? Because the coal and steel industry had lots of loans to banks. So it's all part of the same program. It's all about me. It's all about the powers, the rich men, of the world using your sons and daughters the military industrial complex to use your sons and daughters to stimulate their business that's why your sons died in Vietnam were crippled in Vietnam it wasn't for the United States or the American flag or for democracy or for any of these trite little political statements it was to stimulate business 
They were ground up to stimulate business. What do you think these wars are all about? Psalm 15.5, He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Take reward against the innocent. Stimulate your business by the lifeblood of the sons of your neighbor. You have to really start being the government of God and stop depending on the governments of men because you give them power and you corrupt them. You give them power by your avarice and your sloth. The slothful shall be under tribute. They shall be used. They shall belong to the corvee. The corvee is a statutory system of bondage where you labor without pay for the benefit of the corporate body who owns your labor. Whether it's government or a corporation, you're a slave. And you belong to the Corby and you're under tribute. Proverbs 28.8 He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. Are we taking care of one another? Are we really being the government of God? No, we are not. In Exodus 22:20, 20, it goes on in great detail. I think we'll have a little bit of time here. He that sacrifices unto any god, save unto God only, the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt now this is the same stranger that you could charge interest to but they're talking about the strangers in your midst you're not to oppress them he shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child that's done every day it's called inheritance tax how many states have that you shouldn't have it at any. If thou afflict them in any way, any way, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cries. But in order for them to cry unto Christ, to God the Father, and be heard, they have to repent and get their voice back to be heard. They have to turn around and want to go the other way. I know you can't just create another system overnight. That's why I'm saying start now. The system that you are in is the unrighteous mammon. Mammon is uh, entrusted wealth. And remember, this: the uh, Federal Reserve Act was said by uh, Charles I. Lindbergh Sr., was going to create the largest trust in the history of the world. And that's the unrighteous mammon. And Jesus says, go ahead and be friends with it. Pay the tax. Pay your tally of bricks. But start 
seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be friends with the unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, you'll be worthy. Yeah, we deal with so many people who don't want to pay taxes, but they don't want to support the government of God. They don't want to take care of their neighbor. You know, you want to find guys who want to be free. That's easy. That's easy to find guys who want to be free, who want to turn the tables. Try to find those who want their neighbor to be free. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will want him to be free, too. My son always likes to chide. If you love it, set it free. So if you love your neighbor, set him free. Set him free from having to pay for your child's public education. You can't. You probably can't get enough votes to get that reversed on the property tax, but you can start homeschooling your children, and the blessings for that go way beyond now. People who are afraid to start homeschooling their children should be able to gather together in congregations and say, help me teach my children at home so they don't have to go to the public school. Help me so that I can be a good father and mother to my children. And if that is a congregation of Christ, whatever church you're going to, even if it's 501c3 uh, applied for a corporate state, it can start turning around and start having the spirit of Christ in what you're doing. Start helping one another. And then you will use the talent that God gave you. And guess what? He will give you more. But if you do nothing, He will take it away. It's about doing the will of the Father. And belief gives us the power to do the will of the Father. But belief without doing is a lie. And my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with a sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. Why? Because you afflict in any way the widows and the fatherless and you do that you do that now over and over again and your governments do that in all countries they do that and you need to stop stop being a part of that in order to do that you have to start being a part of what is the kingdom of God it's always been here it's those who tend to the weightier matters, the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. If you're in the system of the world, you can be active in that to try to bring about righteousness, but you need to be doubly active in establishing the kingdom in your life. And the only way to do that is through free assemblies, which we call congregations. It's gathering together. You say, well, what, what value is it up to me to gather together? You know, I'm already doing it. I'm a nice guy. You know, I go to church. I really like the singing at my church. So why should I join in with your congregation? Because our congregation gathers for the purposes of knowing how we can help others, not how we can save ourselves, how we can free others, not so we can free ourselves. If you get millions of people together that have that intent all over the world, you will have a powerful force for good. And you will give a witness 
You will be a peculiar people in this day and age. But Jesus talks about, I mean, God talks about the wrath shall wax hot. I will kill you with a sword. And when and that killing comes, you'll say, well, why has God abandoned me? Because you abandoned God. You say, I didn't need to join in a congregation. My church really sings good songs. My church lifts me up. My church makes me feel good. It's not doing good. If I needed anything, I have to go to the government. Because it doesn't take care of the social welfare. That's the job of the government. It didn't used to be. It wasn't at the time of Christ. If you got the baptism of Christ, the only place you could go for assistance was church. Because the government wouldn't help you anymore. You were cast out. Says so in John. Is that the church you belong to? The church that says go to the benefactors who exercise authority and apply, pray to them for your benefits? No wonder they have made use of you. You have made use of your neighbor. And as you judge, so shall you be judged. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to me as to him as a usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by the sun goeth down. I can tell you a story, I don't have enough time to tell you about somebody who, who was always running a little bit of shorter cash and he would go down to the pawn shop and pawn off something that he had. And he had a, like a rifle or a pistol or something, you know, because that's what pawn shops will pay good money for. Not actually terrible, but give you half of what it's worth or less, a fraction of what it's worth. But in order to get a little extra cash, I said, stop doing that. If you have need of money, you come to me. And he says, okay. And uh, so he came to me, and he, it wasn't much. And I said, so... So, okay, and he, he wanted to sell me his gun. Well, I didn't need his gun. I didn't shoot that kind of caliber gun or anything. So I said, okay, but here's the 100 bucks or whatever it was. I don't know. He gave me the gun. I said, you know, I really don't have room for this to keep it anywhere safe here. You keep it for me. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, I trust you. You know, I know where it is if I need it. You keep it for me until you can pay back the money. Not at usury. You imagine if our congregation, you should be going to a congregation to get your house loan. That's where you should go, to your congregation. You need to borrow money to buy a car to get to work. You should go to the congregation. Your church should be, all the members of your church should be your bankers. That's what you should be doing. And of course you can't start that way. And everybody, well, I don't, you know, I just go to church to feel good. I don't want to loan money to anybody. You love them. You want to just throw them to the wolves to the bankers. You want to make them sell their sons and daughters as slaves forever in a system of usury and tribute. So let's start being the church established by Christ. Seeking the kingdom established by Christ. If you don't, you should be in bondage. We'll be back. Hopefully our special guests will call in on the break and we'll 
He's talking about what he has to offer. And Jesus can You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. That was a quick, short break. Uh, Paul, have you heard anything from Don? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay, well... I see Mark's uh, in the Mark, chat room. Maybe he could tell us if Don's going to call us. Yeah, is Mark... Uh, yeah, Mark, uh, do that. You've got his number. Maybe you can call him and make sure he calls us. So... Uh, what we could do is I could give out that number that is the number for calling us. Uh, so we don't want to, I guess it won't block the line. Uh, no. 414-395-2442. Uh, it's 414-395-2442. And if Don's listening, he can call in to that number, and we'll have him on for the rest of the hour. Uh, I got lots more notes, <laughs> so we could keep on going. But uh, we wanted to give them a chance to come on and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the issues that he uh, deals with. I know he had had me on their radio program, uh, which I guess is Agenda Twenty One. Uh, Don Terry and 
escapes me the name of the other fellow right offhand. I just had it, almost had it there. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but anyway, he can come on and we'll talk about that. Um, one of the quotes that I was looking at, uh, that I was reading from there, uh, before the, the last break, which was all out of Exodus 22, and this kept on reading down to Exodus 28. It says, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Now, why is the Bible telling us not to revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people? And why are there gods many? See, most people don't realize that those rulers of the thy people, they choose the gods and appoint them over you. And those gods are simply the ruling judges. That's how they run their government. This is why the Bible is talking about this kind of stuff. Now, if you're in bondage under a ruler because you have contracted with them, made a covenant with them, and he has appointed gods, ruling judges over you, you should not revile them. So this is one of the problems with a lot of these protesters and uh, and uh, freedom people is they don't respect the rulers over them and if you were to set them free they would be run amok you know and the fact is they probably need rulers over them because they have no personal discipline very clear the early Americans had a great deal of personal discipline compared to what we see today even the politicians were disciplined in those days <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm founded with people like Newt Gingrich. Uh, well, he had three wives now and was cheating on one while he was still, you know, he was starting to run around with the one, uh, number three when he was still living with number two. <laughs> Can't keep track of these. It's, uh, it's like Peyton Place. But, uh, and people are actually voting for him because they think, you know, he's a Christian alternative. Uh, and, you know, really, I, I look at this it's very telling about society, uh, this uh, campaign in the United States government for presidency. It's not my government. Uh, it's not what I look to for answers or solution or salvation. So I really don't think I have any right to be involved in it. But I can certainly talk about them from the point of view of morality. And you can see these candidates lining up. And there's hardly an honest man amongst them. It's gotten down to the choice, for those of you who do vote, is between the honest guy and all the others. <laughs> and if a man won't be faithful to his own wife, how do you think he's going to be faithful to you? And why would you pick somebody who can't be faithful to his own wife? And then let's go look at other things of honor. Have they... Do they vote in in their positions as congressmen and senators or what have you in the same way they speak, or do they vote contrary to the way they speak? Well, then you can't trust them because they're they're liars. They they shift about. So you know you really only have one choice. But the reality is, is the president of the United States doesn't run the United States, and that's been true since you know way back. In history, you go back to even William O. Douglas, who says it's not the president who runs the country, but the vast bureaucracy that does not change, regardless of who is the president. 
So anyway, the point is, is that if you have to change as an individual, start moving in the other direction in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. You have to be operating and living your life in the other way, which is the way of Christ. That's why they call it the way. This is another way to live. You didn't go to the government temples. You know, I, I talked about that earlier, how the Roman centurions went out on these commercial ventures, and occasionally they ended up in war, but uh, it's because somebody was trying to steal their wealth. Later on, they did occasionally uh, somewhat invade countries because uh, they were protecting their equitable interests, their commercial interests in those countries. And uh, so they went in to enforce their property rights, uh, which is partially why Hitler invaded Austria, <laughs> to protect their interests. I suppose it would give a good excuse for China soon to invade this country because they would only be protecting their commercial interests because they're buying up the country left and right with youth notes that uh, have no value according to the Federal Reserve. Uh, they have all these notes and they want to use them because eventually somebody's going to wake up and realize they have no value. So they're in here buying up the country with notes that have no value. <laughs> you guys are idiots. You know, you need to start seeing what's going on and start being idiotis. And some of you understand what I'm saying. Idiotis is what the Greek word for non-participators. And I'm not saying get out of the system. I'm saying get into the kingdom. That's where you need to start. You need to seek the kingdom. You need to come together in congregations that go on record saying, I love you. <laughs> I care about you. I want you to be free. And I want your children to be free. And I'm not just saying that. I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to gather together and I'm going to keep an eye on you. I'm going to attend to needs that make you a stronger individual. And, you know, I, I told this story before and I suppose it's a good one to tell. There was a there was a small church, probably 501c3. It's mostly a black church uh, down in I think Carolinas, and uh, if I remember right. And they had somebody who had contributed to the church, had come to the church regularly, had developed relationships with the people there, and he lost his job. And of course, like many people today, he had who had a good job. He also overextended himself by borrowing money and buying too fancy a house and all these things. And when he lost his job, he wasn't going to be able to keep making those mortgage payments. And he struggled to find more work and and to downsize, and he did a lot of the things he was supposed to do, but it was just too much. And it was during a slow turn. It was hard to find another job that paid as much, and he never did. But eventually he got things organized, but... In the meantime, he used his credit cards to keep afloat until he could get himself reorganized, and he ended up with about $45,000 in debt on his credit cards. And he wasn't bringing in the money he used to bring in. And he was in real financial difficulty, facing the threat of losing his home and everything. And the people of the church got wind of it, got together, they pooled their money, 
paid off his credit card, which was going to be exorbitant interest. And when he found out, he just broke down in tears. Now, the people enjoyed that so much, even more than the singing, <laughs> that they decided, let's do this with somebody else. And so they got together and they started looking in the church, not telling everybody what they're doing, looking in the church for other guys who were good guys that may have gotten themselves and the economy slowed down into financial difficulties. This was quite a few years ago. And they started paying off more people. Now, they didn't just pay off the credit card and then let you keep running around with the credit card. You actually had a ceremony where you cut up your credit cards and you didn't do that anymore. And you started getting counseling, economic counseling, financial counseling, so that you did not go into debt more than you were already. And that you started organizing yourself so you get out of debt. So they were, and they actually had guys who were pretty smart in this within their church congregation, and they kind of uh, were the tutors in this process of educating their congregation. And eventually the news got wind of this, that these people were actually gathering together and paying off all this debt. And they went to the pastor and they said, aren't you, you know, going to get less money with all these hundreds of thousands of dollars that your congregation has paid out to pay off all these loans and, you know, these credit cards? And he says, no, we're actually getting more money. Why? because their people were becoming financially responsible and getting out of this absorbent credit card debt. Can you imagine if everybody went... You know, in Korea, I have, we had a minister in Korea. He's passed away now. Uh, he wasn't in Korea, but he been lived in Korea for a while. And some of his family is from Korea. And he says the poor people in that country don't go into the banks. They're not welcome. So they gather together and they form their own little kind of groups that help finance businesses so that they can all get successful. And when they get successful, they have more money to loan each other to get into more businesses and to so that their children become successful. And before you know it, they're doing better. And same thing in Spain. There was an area that couldn't get any banks to come in and loan them money, so they started co-ops. And it's, it's one of the most financially solvent areas of Spain, even today, after the terrible European recession, because all the businesses are owned by the people, because they're all cooperatives. And they've been extremely successful even during these hard times, and they've been able to absorb the problem. Why aren't you doing that with your congregations and churches? Why aren't you involved in the lives of your churches? Why are you going to strangers who lend you money at usury instead of going to each other? Great movie to see that shows an example of this is Big Fat Greek Wedding. How those families interacted. I mean, it's not always easy. Uh, but at least they were there for each other when they thought there was a financial need or problem. and They didn't have to worry. They had this cushion between them and devastation. You're going to need that. You know, one of the stories that uh, I guess we're still not hearing from Don is that right, Paul? 
Yeah, I got a message from Mark. He says he tried to call him, but just got the answering machine. Oh. We can welcome anyone else to call in with questions. Yeah, anybody else can call in. Four one four three nine five two four four two. Uh, but uh, you know, the we talked. Uh, there was the CME from the Sun. Uh, coronal mass ejection. As my daughter was listening to some of the news reports about it, because it was the X five point four, I think, final uh, figure on the size of that. That's that's huge. Uh, there are bigger ones. Uh, the way the the scale goes up is there's uh, uh, M class and C class, which are pretty small flares. But if you get up into the X class flare, that's pretty big. They actually canceled. Uh, airplane flights because the passengers would have been heavily radiated had they gone into high altitudes. Uh, all the pipelines across the country went on alert. Power companies went on alert because you can have power outages during these solar storms when they arrive at Earth. And uh, radiation levels were really high there for a while. Uh, and there was auroras. Uh, those of us checking sheep late at night could see the auroras in the sky and uh, uh, but the, literally you could have a mega flare that comes from the sun and knocks out all the power on the sunlit side of the face and lots of studies uh, on this it's a real threat and it, you would only have like days notice that the flare was even coming and the power could go out so severely you might not get power back for six months. Uh, that could completely overturn your entire world. Uh, you won't be on Facebook because there won't be Facebook. <laughs> so your virtual community will virtually eviscerate overnight. <laughs> uh, your churches, uh, you know, big screen TV won't be working anymore. Uh, the sound systems won't be working anymore. So you won't have anything that give you a feeling of being uplifted. Uh, you will be left with the basics, you, yourself, and you. And whoever else you have developed a loving relationship who actually cares about you as much as they care about themselves. And that's what the kingdom of God was all about, loving your neighbor as yourself, caring about him, really caring about him, not just liking the guy, but actually being there for him. So that you become health, education, welfare, the banker, the uh, everything all social services should be run through the church because the church operates by faith open charity not by forced contributions if that's not the kind of church you belong to you need to change churches you don't have to change right away you keep going there you might find some good souls there but you need to start turning around and creating another church go to your pastor tell him that that's what you think the church should be doing and he said, no, no, we're just here. You know, the kingdom of God is after you dead. It's for the dead people. Well, you know that's a lie. The kingdom of heaven is for the living. And the early church clearly was that social welfare system. And that's what you need to be. Now, how do you do that? How do you get to that point? Well, you have to find the other people that are willing to receive that message. And you have to start gathering together with them. And you have to start being that kingdom. You have to actually be the doer. You cannot bury that talent in the ground. If you do, whatever God has given you will be taken away. 
If you're really strong, you will become really weak. If you're really smart, you'll become really stupid. Actually, I think you're already stupid if you think that's the way to go. But I'm talking intellectually. Your ability to hold information will diminish. Your health will diminish. Whatever talent God has given you, if you don't use it for his purposes, you will lose it. It will be taken away. That's the rules. And you need to turn around and start going the other way. So anyway, one of the things that Don Terry was going to talk about uh, was, uh, you know, this whole banking thing, you know. Uh, we talk about the mark of the beast and, and things like that. And the mark of the beast, the karagma of the beast, was around at the time of early Christians. And some people speculate that the beast that they talk about and the number of the beast and all this stuff was Nero. And certainly Nero, I mean, he, he took the silver, was taking silver out of the Roman silver coin until there was eventually there was no silver left in the coin. So they were using script-type currencies that had no real value. And it re had runaway inflation. They had to pass laws that, it, you know, and price controls because if you didn't, I mean, things were just skyrocketing. I mean, uh, I'll give them the example of the sack of wheat went from six denarii, a modius of wheat with the size, the measurement, six denarii to over 200, uh, over 120,000 denarii in, in a little bit over a generation. And this was because there was no more silver in the silver Roman coin. It just wasn't silver, it was iron. And that really got going under Nero. And there also you ended up having, you had to get a birth certificate, you had to have a titleist, an ID to get around in Rome. You could be stopped anywhere, and if you titleist didn't check out, you could be arrested. Uh, you were actually, you know, how did they ban thousands of Jews and Christians from Rome under Caligula, under Claudius? Uh, how did they ban them? How did you know that they had to leave? Well, you had to have a registry. And, of course, the Christians were idiotes. They were not on the registry. And that's what it says in the Bible. They were not participators in that system. So therefore you can say, well, you don't have a titleist. You didn't get a government-issued ID. This is all going on at that time. By Marcus Aurelius, you had to get a birth certificate for any child born within the geographical area of the Roman Empire, the Pax Romana. You registered that, that down at the Bureau of Vital Statistics, which was Saturnalia, the Temple of Saturn. That's what it was. The modern Christian has more in common today in his act, daily activities with the pagans of the time of the early church than they have with the early church. They have more in common with the pagans and their beliefs are more in common with the pagans than it is with the early church. And even those who have, are starting to rebel against the system want out of the system. They are still caught up in these half-truth beliefs that I'm saved by faith alone so I don't have to do anything. When Christ, at every turn, said you did have to do something. So what do we do? Gather together. Join the living network. Don't just get on an email group 
Because when that power goes out, there ain't going to be no email group. Start meeting the other people in Tennessee, in Canada. I got somebody disconnected in Canada today. And yesterday, I don't remember where it was, Australia. I got somebody who joined the Kingdom News List in Australia. Um, they're all over it. But they're just trickling in. We're working. Find those on those local groups who will work to expand that network and find those other golden nuggets, those other pearls of Christ who love their neighbor, actually actively love their neighbor as themselves. Start bringing them together in a living network of connections, not dependent upon the grid, Facebook, Google, or any of these other instruments, because they will fail. Start being connected with real people who are doers of the word. And those people that you pick to be those connection points, they need to be working together with all the other connection points. It's, it, we need to go into the, this mechanism with a soldering iron and connect those. And if they will not connect, we take those diodes and those transistors and those capacitors and say, defective. Let's put in one that works. Because we're not getting a current here. We're not getting a connection here. And solder in the new guys. And solder them in with, with love and patience and tolerance. But solder them in firmly into place into the kingdom of God, into the living network that is seeking the ways of God. And we're going to be going out on News of Views and try to do other media uh, ventures where we can start not just having people trickle in, but more. But why try to catch fish with a torn net? We need to sew that net together. It's not ready to throw on the other side yet. It's not even ready to go in the water yet. Anything you catch, you just be losing your fish. Because we got big holes in the net, because we have people that are a part of the network that aren't really a part of the network. So we have to start looking for those that can hold up their end of the net. And we know there are people out there trying to use the network. And we need to change that. So any activity in the chat room? Anybody talking in the chat room? Anybody have any questions? Uh, the last couple of pages in there are just uh, Bible quotes about seeking. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there have been questions, but you seem to address them as they come up. So I <laughs> well, I can't see the. <laughs> it's amazing. There have been. Well, I get... but there was one about public schools, and you addressed that pretty thoroughly. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be a part of the public school system if you love your children. You want to get them out of there as quickly as possible. Uh, even private schools are very dangerous. Very involved parents with older kids, they can get away with that. But uh, even the private schools are becoming heavily contaminated. Uh, and so, you know, it's, you know, there are some really great curriculums. We've got some people on the network now that... And I've got some articles that we'll be putting out on that. I've got to write some deals for news and views on that subject, but I wanted to get our own network, our own homeschooling network kind of connected 
there's lots of groups out there that are on the Living Network that I'm sure are homeschooling. We need to start connecting those people so that when people say, you know, I'm, I might try that homeschooling, but I don't know anything about it. We can say, oh, well, we got these people in Tennessee. They know about it. They may not even be homeschooling their kids now, but they homeschooled them before. And they're familiar with some of the pitfalls and some of the difficulties and some of the curriculums that are out there. And uh, uh, I tell you, it's a real education, homeschooling your kids. Uh, I know, Paul, uh, you've got one boy still at home, and he's somewhat homeschooled. We're a little late, but we're starting homeschooling. Yeah. Been doing a year and a half, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've met Paul's family and, you know, they, they, you can see that they come, the kids come from a family that has values. And, uh, your daughter was quite an achiever in the private school that she had taken. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, today the public schools in most places are getting just completely out of hand. And, uh, you know, you are delu- people are deluding themselves if they think that uh, that the, it's different with their school, and that's one of the things in the in the film indoctrination that that they always get that. Yeah, but our school isn't like that. Our school is really good. It isn't that way. It isn't that way, and uh, you're losing your children. And you know, we've seen it. We've homeschooled for uh, my oldest is like 40 now <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but when they were homeschooling and you know because we met, got a lot of flack from local people uh, who thought they took it as a personal attack uh, which you know in, in a way it is but that's not why we were homeschooling to embarrass them <laughs> but within eight or so years after we began homeschooling people started seeing the difference and then they within uh, 15, 20 years when their kids were coming back from college and had all these goofy ideas they saying, boy, I don't know, how come your kids are seem so great and our kids are da-da-da? And I said, well, what was the difference? Yours went to school, ours didn't. That's the difference. Uh, you can't imagine the tremendous influence that the public school system is having on your children. And you, even involved parents, cannot see the influence. Uh, they're too close to it, and it's become too insidious. So it's really, I think that's a, and not only that, when you homeschool your children and you've got them under feet and you have to deal with them all the time, it changes you. You know, it makes you a different kind of person, and that's really a good deal because most people need to be different <laughs> but uh, so anyway uh, I guess we're coming up on another half hour break uh, and we may go on to a new topic altogether. I'd have another one prepared that I was going to do just on Freedomizer but I think we ought to probably address it here on uh, Liberty Radio Live and Keys of the Kingdom uh, because uh, it's something that uh, can have long-term effects. We'll talk about that when we return.
Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I had a number of other notes. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about mentioning on uh, the Freedomizer show later, but I will mention here just briefly, is this Coney 2012 video that's gone viral. Over 50 million people have watched it. Most of them seem to be, at least the supporters, seem to be young girls between the ages of like 12 and 17 and young men between like 17 and 24 and it's appealed to a large number of people that have gotten all up in arms and excited and enthusiastic but mostly young people 
And those young people have been appealed to by this emotional appeal, and the video was very well done, and it's, it's fired the imagination of a lot of people. Uh, I saw a video today of a uh, young girl who uh, whose parents were born and raised in Uganda. She's been to Uganda many times. Her brother's still in Uganda. Her grandmothers are still in Uganda. And she's often stayed there for months at a time, and she thinks the Coney video is not a good thing. It's really a bad thing. According to her father, they believe that Coney, and it's even actually mentioned in the video that some believe that he's been dead for five to six years. He hasn't been really seen anywhere for five or six years. He's not even in Uganda, so the idea of stationing U.S. troops there to catch him in Uganda or train troops to catch him seems a little ridiculous. There were some good things that came out of the charity that's involved with this, which I guess is the silent children or invisible children, uh, uh, is that uh, they put up a, a network of radio towers, supposedly, that inform the people everywhere where Coney's little army is at, which is really just an army of thugs. But... Uh, uh, that that was a good thing, but uh, then now I've heard rumors that uh, only about 30% of the contributed money actually goes to helping the people in Uganda, and uh, that the people who are promoting this are actually getting pretty good-sized salaries. Uh, that's often common with many charities, and you should always be looking into that to find out where all the money is going. Uh, with these videos going viral, they look like they're going to have a huge sum of money coming in. And I'm curious as to the oversight of that because rumors are they don't have very good oversight of what happens to all the money that comes in there. Uh, since Coney hasn't even been seen, he's been out of Uganda. This idea of catching him seems rather superfluous. Uh, it's good to probably catch him because he probably is a bad guy but the idea of that being our primary goal is a little bit of like what a lot of people do in modern Christianity is that we all run after they catch Coney they get Coney they try him or shoot him or whatever and then everybody thinks wow we taking care of business but even in the video itself you see a long list of war crimes people and the fact is the existing president of Uganda is not without severe uh, penalty and criticism. Uh, they say he's stolen the election for the last three elections uh, to graft and corruption. Uh, he's let over a 1,000 children die in camps. Uh, you know, the fact that Uganda has been plagued with bad leaders for, you know, decades. I mean... Uh, go way back in history and they've had some horrible leaders there. There's probably some really great people there, but uh, politically, that centralizing government in that country has been a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is that all the young people that are easily harnessed by this media uh, to do something, uh, maybe just to enrich the uh, video makers. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But do you people need to be a little bit uh, more contemplative and thoughtful when people offer 
these simple solutions. And also, you know, the solution in Uganda is not killing one more dictator or one more, you know, private general army. Uh, that is not going to solve the problems in Uganda. It's not that simple. I send it to a couple of bucks, I put up some posters, and now I can go off feeling very righteous. I mean, our whole handling of uh, 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 I forgot his name. All of a sudden, uh, <laughs> uh, the Gaddafi. Well, Gaddafi—that would be a good example. Saddam Hussein, uh, but uh, no, the guy who supposedly blew up the twin towers. Uh, I've got a llama named after him, Osama in <laughs> llama. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, Osama, you know, uh, numerous people said he was dead five years before they captured him, killed him, and threw his body in the ocean, which is just a bizarre chain of events. Uh, but supposedly, you know, this was, gets you popularity amongst these mindless uh, uh, people who watch videos and think they know what's going on. Uh, we have a very dumbed-down society. I mean... Uh, most people are unaware of the fact that uh, men like Stalin referred to all these socialists and people who were all these do-gooders out there who were pro-communism uh, uh, as useful idiots. And that's why he referred to them as useful idiots because they were useful for him to get power, but they were really idiots, and he held them in nothing but contempt. And I couldn't help do half of the video of watching the Coney 2012 video, half hour long video. Uh, to half of that, I kept thinking of the character in the book, Dr. Zhivago, you also see him in the movie, who was this pro-communist guy and, you know, saved the worker and always motivated out of all this abuse of the poor worker and class who's starving and freezing and, and the rich are so rich and on and on. And he became this totalitarian dictatorial murderer who even the communists wanted to kill and he had this train of death that was zooming around trying to overthrow the, the, the rich guys and became nothing but a murderer in his squad himself he had these good intentions but he was driven insane by power and of course it's what I refer to as the soul syndrome that when you centralize power or give somebody power they the power corrupts them uh, another perfect example of that is Che Guevara, who, when Che went south riding his motorcycle in South America, he saw the poverty, saw the abuse uh, that was often because of centralizing power in different areas, and he wanted to fight against it, and uh, he became a ruthless murderer. And um, I just, I just almost shudder every time I see some young black kid wearing a Jake Guevara t-shirt you know with the clenched fist and all this stuff and Che Guevara considered blacks less than human and one of his goals was to either totally enslave or exterminate blacks uh, because he considered them I mean he probably killed all kinds of them <laughs> And during his career, he was responsible for so many people's deaths. People don't, and all the people, you know, the Wall Street, uh, Occupy Wall Street is heavily laced with a socialist spirit. And 
socialism leads to communism. You can ask Karl Marx on that. That's why he loved democracy and socialism, because he knew they would lead to communism. And that socialist state, that communist socialist state, has been responsible for the death of more people and the oppression of more people than any other political uh, ideology in history. Yet, I see young people, my son deals with a lot of them on Facebook, and constantly, I mean, it's, it, you're in a constant state of re-educating the masses because they're coming out of these public schools with no sense or understanding of history and how government works, how paper money works, how, why gold and silver is important. Uh, not, it doesn't have to be gold and silver, but why a commodity type money is important. Not a coin of the realm, an actual commodity type money. And if you leave the job of creating the coin of the realm to the central government, whether it's a notes or credited monies or whatever, you will not be free. You will not be free until you take on the responsibility of making the money yourself the means of exchange yourselves as a people. Now, you probably can't call it coins. You have to call it commodities or uh, bullion or some of these other words, but you could be doing that. But you need to be doing that with a nobler intent of setting your neighbor free, not binding them up. Not can't be just to get rich or to have your hedge against inflation, which is going to be rampant one of these days, but you have to have a nobler Christ-like intent. Christ didn't come to his advantage. He came to your advantage. So you have to gather together to the advantage of others and not just to your advantage. A lot of people sacrifice a lot of time to get the truth out, a lot of energy to get the truth out. You need to make those sacrifices too. You need to do it. Excuse me. You need to do it in a way that you are developing the relationships that are going to hold. You know, I, I actually just got a donation today. I saw it come in. I don't know if he's listening. I know he uh, follows us on Blog Talk, but uh, we'll just call him uh, Mr. Horn. <laughs> I think he knows who I am. Uh, and I know this because I got that donation today. <laughs> because I don't get a lot of donations, but uh, I haven't seen him. He came to one of our retreats. I don't know if, was he at the retreat you were here, Paul? You were at more than one retreat. I think he was. Probably. Uh, I'm not sure who you're talking about, but don't. Yeah, I, I, mean, I kind of coded his name uh, so that I don't I don't have a right to give his name out. Of. But he's in California. I know he's uh, looked for some property in South America because he doesn't, he, he's a very intelligent fellow. I haven't met his wife yet, but I, I, they're both professional people. And he's looking outside of the country because he could see this country's headed for a lot of trouble. Personally, I think you really need to be inside this country. Even though there, there will be lots of trouble, I think this is really where some of the great things will come in the days ahead. Uh, but everybody's got to make their own choices. Uh, but we need to, you know, things get changed so fast that you can't even get out of town much less out of the country. You need to be investing in local people. And 
the the virtuous people. You cannot have a free government without virtuous people. Uh, Madison said this. Uh, Payne said this. Uh, uh, Adams said it. Uh, it's the it's the reality. I mean, that I have quotes in the book Higher Liberty that just shows you virtue, 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 virtue. So we need to find those virtuous people, not religionists. Now, people go to church and sing, wave their hands over their head. They might do that, too, because that doesn't mean they're not virtuous. But that don't mean they are virtuous. You have to find those people that give their word and keep their word. They honor their word. They honor each other. They show up. They're Minutemen for righteousness. We have to find those people and start connecting them. Not on Facebook. It's fine if you use Facebook for a while, but you have to connect them in ways that they actually begin to know each other and connect with one another. We've got a meeting coming up in Missouri. Uh, I don't have the dates and times in front of me. Maybe Paul can tell us before we get to the end of the show. Uh, and we have uh, another fall festival coming up here in Oregon in the latter part of September, first part of October. Uh, you know, I actually are getting to the point now where we can take on some young people uh, to work here for the the uh, uh, summer if they want to dedicate a little time, and we'll share a lot of stuff with them. Uh, it's hard for families to get away, but there's some young people that might be interested in coming out here and being on a real uh, working ranch and 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 learn a little bit more about what we're doing. Uh, there may be other places in the country where we can start connecting. That was one of the things that the, a lot of the Irish kings used to do. And when I say kings, I mean noblemen, wealthier men. They weren't kings or rulers like we think of kings. Uh, but they would actually send member of their family, a son, to be raised by another guy who wasn't even related to them, but another nobleman in another area, because it created bonds between them. And so this is one of the things. The Amish do this. They send their young people around to work in different areas, partly to prevent inbreeding. But uh, that's something that young people might be able to uh, participate in and then come back and tell their experience. And then we become real to each other. Uh, that's what these fall festivals and, and spring festivals, the one in April and, and uh, Missouri, uh, we need to have people, and we'll get all kinds of people coming to these. And those of you who can focus on what Christ was really saying for us to do, which is exactly what Moses was saying, exactly what Abraham was saying, uh, need to become pivotal points at these meetings and begin to develop. But we also need that network so that when they leave those meetings, we can maintain those connections. And we need to find things to keep them to do. And one of the things about that video that went viral, for whatever purpose, the Coney 212 video, um, is that it required a great deal of networking. And uh, I sent off a number of things to the personal contact minister group. And if you want to know what we were talking about on that group, elect a personal contact minister on the network and get him on that group and he can report back to you. He will become your eyes and ears at the progress that we're making and he will share that with you. And if you have a PCM that's on that group and it's not doing anything, 
you better pick another one because he's not going to be on that group for long. <laughs> uh, but I'm leaving it to the group to decide, but uh, I'm not going to necessarily leave it to the group forever. That if I don't see life, uh, we're going to chuck out the dead meat. So you have to be a participator have a call. on the PCM group. You have a call? Yep. Okay. There I go. Hello. Hello, this is uh, Don Terry. Don Terry. I was, to, yeah, I was supposed to be on the show, but I thought it was next week. Well, I guess it could be next week, since we only got about ten minutes left this week. <laughs> okay. I, I no, we'll, give it, we'll make it an introduction to Don Terry. <laughs> uh, so, Don, uh, did you have any particular topics? I know that you have a, a wide variety of interests. We've been making the show on usury and banking. Uh, and, yeah, Mark can uh, talk about banking, so I can talk about that. Okay. Well, give us a look at it. You only got about nine minutes left, uh, so we maybe we can do this next week and we can make these nine minutes kind of a, a introduction. So uh, if we you won't be able next. to get a lot said, but you'll get uh, maybe an introduction of some of the things that you might want to cover in next week's show. So this is a promo for next week's show. <laughs> okay. I apologize for that. Just a mix-up there. That's okay. Uh, but we can talk about how banks uh, do they actually loan money. I mean, the conventional wisdom is that banks have a vault full of cash and you they have like five hundred dollars and you go borrow a hundred dollars and they only have four hundred left and then you pay them a hundred and fifty dollars back with interest and now they have five hundred and fifty dollars and that's how they grow but does it really happen with this federal reserve fiat money or or do they just actually make up stuff uh we have um some books that are on banking that are like textbooks and then we have run into a banker who used to used to be a banker, used to own a bank in Alabama. I won't say where, I won't give his name. But he, uh, we met him in a property rights uh, meeting, and he's verified everything we've said, that uh, banks don't actually lend anything. They don't lend anything of value. Right. Uh, they're not allowed to lend anything. This is a fractional reserve system. And they're not actually ever lending out the money they have on deposit. <laughs> yeah, they don't... Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. They just actually make it up. What you hand is a promissory note over on your side of the table, which you find they didn't. You slide the property, the promissory note over, they slide a check back. You've made an equal exchange. And they actually open a, an account called a uh, uh, transaction account. And they just fund that with your promissory note. Just made it out of thin air. Just put numbers in a computer. Well, it's, so, uh, it's, it's your pledge. It's you, when you you sign that you're pledging that you're going to pay back these notes which don't even exist yet, but That's it's correct. credit entries and uh, and so the, you know it's it's really you know you've heard I'm sure the Josiah Stamp quote about the fact that the entire banking system was conceived in iniquity and, and evil and uh, and yeah. that if you if you do away with our power to create money, uh, you know we'll lose all the fortunes. But if you give us that power back again, we'll have the, all those fortunes back again in no time. Uh, but it's it's kind of a musical chairs deal. And we talked about that earlier in the show how how uh, 
the you're not really you know money is what you use as a means of exchange the federal reserve even tells you if you go back to actual physical federal reserve notes that they have no value but when you go down to the bank and borrow money you're not actually even borrowing federal reserve notes you're creating uh, correct uh, you're creating debt you know i was talking in uh in uh iowa i think it was or omaha and uh Somebody asked me something about capitalism, and I says, "Well, we haven't had capitalism in this country since 1913. Because true capitalism, you're actually investing capital. You know, it's something of value. But that isn't what we do anymore. We don't invest our loans and our investments aren't things of value. They're things of no value, <laughs> and in That's many true. cases, they're things that don't even exist. <laughs> so." But anyway, uh, where else would you take this conversation on, uh, you know, next week? Uh, any other high points that you... Um, we've been doing a lot with uh, uh, mortgages and credit card debt, uh, alleged debt, and mortgages. We could talk about the, the mortgages. Uh, banks uh, couldn't lend anything of value, yet they want to take something of value that's home. And do they actually own the property, own the title? Do they do all the things right. We could talk about that. It's all related. Some right. form of banking. And uh, we've had some successes with mortgages and credit card debt. When, uh, with, yeah, of course, a credit card debt is an unsecured debt. Now, from our point of view, uh, we have to be careful, and I, I don't have any reason to believe that you're not, is that if someone borrows, I've actually seen people go out and try to borrow money and then get out of paying it back, but they end up keeping the house, uh, which isn't really quite right either. Uh, if you borrow that money, you know, I know guys who get borrow money with credit card debt, and they actually get a lot of stuff, and then they don't want to pay the credit card debt back. Well, somewhere, even though credit card companies are extremely profit-oriented and they don't really care about you, our our contention earlier in the show was that why are you even going into these banks? You know, I agree with that completely. Uh, in the early church, if you needed help, you went to church. You didn't go to bankers. That's you, you didn't go to the government. You went to church. That's where you got your help. Heavenly Father. That's true. Yeah, and and, and you get that help through the people that are there. And I gave the example that in Korea, the poor people aren't even let in the banks. So they've created their own cooperatives, and they help each other out. And That's the way it should be, you bet. And then that creates bonds in those people that creates a stronger society. It, it doesn't huh, enrich bankers, it enriches the people. And but the credit card debt, is, we've, as we have seen and found, that they actually monetize your signature. They actually get a bunch of numbers in a computer just based on your signature and they sell that as a as a secured instrument which is another thing that we've seen so they haven't suffered any loss they get more numbers in their computer just because of your signature yeah it's totally and the, the main thing is too they'll sell the debt right and uh, that's one of the they've been so sloppy about that in banks that that's often how people can forestall foreclosures is because of that uh 
the fact that they they've just become so arrogantly sloppy because everybody is totally uneducated as to what's really going on. But I've already had the cue that we're about to end the show. Uh-huh. We'll have you on next week. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on for the whole thing next week. I apologize for that. Okay, no problem. We'll, we'll see right. you then. God bless. All right, good. Uh, thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Talk okay. to you soon. God bless. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.